Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Style That Finds Us podcast. We are very excited to have Daniela Yakubovsky and Amy Jane, founders of Bobble Bar, on our show today. They both worked in finance, which is where they met, and went to Harvard Business School. While at HBS, they chose to pursue the idea for Bobble Bar in 2011 after they noticed a gap in the market. The Bobble Bar tagline is embellish your every day, which we love and believe in as well. Bobble Bar has partnered with companies like Disney, the NBA, the NFL, among others, and has been worn by Meghan Markle, Olivia Palermo, Bella Hadid, Justin Bieber, Selena Gomez, Rihanna, among many, many, many more that we adore. They've been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, Inc. Magazine, Pop Sugar, etc. Thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having us. We're so excited. Can we talk about where the name Bobble Bar came from? Of course, we'd love to. When Amy and I were, were first starting the company, we spent a lot of time talking about names. We wanted a name that would really communicate not only what we were selling, you know, when we started, but what we intended to sell. So, you know, we started with fashion jewelry, but we always wanted to expand into other products and other accessories that we particularly love, fine jewelry, home decor, phone cases. So we wanted a word that would communicate that. And we loved the word bobble. You know, I think Mm -hmm. it really is intended to communicate something decorative, uh, a trinket, something that brings you joy, something that makes you smile, something that's enjoyable. Um, Mm -hmm. So we we loved that word because I think it really signified that there was so much more for us to do and so many more places for us to go. And then we loved the word bar attached to it for, you know, a couple of reasons. At that time, a lot of people were introducing their denim bars. And I think that, you know, in that context, it was a place that you went to see a a huge variety and a huge range of this one particular thing that you wanted to to browse and purchase. So we loved that to communicate range. And there was something about the alliteration of Bobble Bar. You know, it just felt really happy and really optimistic. And it kind of feels like it dances on the tongue a little bit. And, And there was something about that optimism and joy that I think really um, felt like the kind of brand that we wanted to build. Well, I think you did a phenomenal job. And I think it's really interesting that you thought from the beginning about all of that, because a lot of people don't and they start with jewelry or they start with bags and that is their brand name. But then later they realize, oh, actually, I want to expand into other categories. And that's a little bit difficult. Do you rebrand? Do you have to change the name? There's a lot that goes into Yeah, Naming a company is one of the sometimes Mm -hmm. biggest goals. Do you do you want to share a little bit about how you chose the style that binds us? Well, we, we just kept trying to come up with names. We went back and forth and back and forth and we would be texting back and forth with each other. And I don't even remember exactly how it came to my mind, but it's kind of like, you know, when you say it, you know it, like you said, yeah. you probably were doing all these different ideas. And then you said bobble bar and all of a sudden it was like, oh, bobble bar, bobble bar. That's really fun to say. And bobbles make me think of like glamour and easy sort of decadence you know, it's just a great word. Just like you said, I really do love the word bobble. And most people know what it is, but most people don't use it all the time. They use jewelry all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, but bobble just makes it feel a little more special, I think. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because, you know, 
when we were naming the company, and this was in, you know, 2010, right, um, right before we launched, it was such a different exercise to name a company when mm -hmm. we launched our sister brand, Sugar Fix by Bobble Bar, which is mm -hmm. available at Target. And we did that, mm -hmm. you know, we we went through the process of coming up with what we wanted to name that brand in 2016. Amy will laugh as I'm telling you this, but I can tell you the process was so different because in 2016, the process of naming was like, is the name available? Is anyone else using it? Can we uh, trademark yes. it? Do, is the Facebook page available? Is the Instagram yeah. page available? Is the Twitter page available? Is the Pinterest page available? And it's, you know, it's things yeah. that in 2010, we didn't even have to really look at. Right. And in 2016 was just, I mean, totally different. So I really feel for people who are out there naming brands today right. because it's a, it's a much more vigorous exercise. Right. We had a lawyer that we were trademarking it. And she said, you can't do it because there is um, a Thai company that calls, that has the name, the ties that bind. And, you know, mm. we were like, well, that's not even, that's not the same thing. And she just said, it's just not going to happen. And Delia with her personality said, oh, but it is, we're going to find a way. And <laughs> she did. She, the lawyer finally found a way and tatted into, I don't know, entertainment and all this other stuff. And it did, but I'm so glad because it's, if I, if it had been me, I would have been like, oh, that's so sad. Okay. But instead, you know, it's like, no, we're going to, we're going to find a way. And we did. That's great. And y'all did. And I think Sugar Fix is adorable too. So Thank cute. You. So perfect for Target. So bright and shiny. I just love it. Love it. Love Thank it. Thank you. We're very curious to know what led you to start it. You've kind of touched on that. And then also what we're interested in is like how it was your business plan in the very beginning and then how it has evolved and, you know, taken a few turns to the right or the left, possibly as it's gone along. I'm sure you couldn't have imagined in the beginning how big it would become. Um, yeah. But tell us the beginning, the origins of, and the path. Of course. So Amy and I have actually known each other for many years. I won't say the number. I used to say the number and now mm -hmm. I just I politely decline. Um, but Amy and I actually met um, working in finance together. We were um, both investment banking analysts in the same class together. And through luck and happenstance, we happened to end up going to the same business school at the same year, which was just so wow. incredible to be, you know, starting a new chapter with your best friend was just such a wonderful, comforting place to be. When we were in investment banking, we had developed a little bit of a habit um, where mm. we would take a little break in the middle of the workday and walk to Saks Fifth Avenue, which was a block from our office at the time, and go shopping for shoes. And, you know, when we were in business school, we were in New York, we were doing our internships, we were at Saks, we were shopping for shoes, and we just started really talking about how we were two people who really loved accessories as a way to... Um, inject something new into your wardrobe, experiment with fashion, have a little bit of fun with style. It's such an easy way to try mm -hmm. something new or to dip your toe in the water without, you know, kind of diving into the deep end. And mm -hmm. we just felt that there, there wasn't a brand out there that we felt as, as passionate consumers was kind of bringing us the full range of, of what we were looking for and what we wanted to shop within accessories. And we thought that there was a really great opportunity to sort of bring that vision to life through accessories that I think not only meet your needs in terms of 
the sort of day-to-day -day styles that you really want to wear, whether it's a classic chain or a great pair of hoops, um, mm -hmm. but would also be um, accessories that speak to some of your passions and pastimes and, and things that you really love and want to represent in your personal style that kind of bring you a little bit of personal joy. Um, so that was something that we really wanted to do. And we thought there was opportunity to also bring that to life through you know, a lot of different points of distribution. So, you know, when we started, obviously we, we had a, a whole vision board of all of the things that we wanted to do. Um, and obviously you gotta, you gotta start somewhere. And we started with mm -hmm. um, fashion jewelry through bobblebar.com. Um, and that's, mm -hmm. you know, kind of where we decided to start largely because, you know, in, in 2010 or 2011, it was just the two of us. We were starting it out of Amy's apartment when we were still in business school. And that was sort of the easiest, fastest thing that, that we were able to do was to really focus on um, direct to consumer online. Amy and I would package up all the orders. We would walk down to the postal service and we would mail them ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, mm -hmm. you can be scrappy and, and just sort of, you know, with a little bit of elbow grease, get it done. And over the years, it's been just really incredible to kind of see it grow to see the response from our community and um, folks who really love the brand that has really enabled us to expand into a huge range of categories. So I, I look at, you know, where we started with, you know, fashion jewelry through bobblebar.com and it's incredible to be sitting here and to be selling fashion jewelry, fine jewelry, phone cases and tech accessories, blankets, ornaments, home decor, and to be doing it through bobblebar.com through a number of different, you know, really incredible wholesale partnerships with folks like Nordstrom, Disney, Bloomingdale's, Selfridges, um, and to also be in amazing retailers like Target. Um, mm -hmm. So it's it's been a really exciting journey. It's fascinating. I mean, just the whole beginning of the story where you you just happened to get to be in the same class at Harvard, which is great, and have the time to did you use the students there, kind of your, oh, your peers? So much. I mean, right. to this to this day, you know, it's funny. To this day, we'll get, um, you know, friends of ours from from our class will send us pictures of like what they call, you know, they'll joke. They'll call it vintage bobble bar. Um, oh, how from, cute! You know, because it's from nine years ago or ten years ago, which at this point, I guess, sort of qualifies. But you know, that. one of the things that was incredible, I think, about having the idea while we were in school is it really gave us the opportunity to tap into two things that I, I don't know that we would have had this opportunity otherwise. Um, you know, the first was that we were obviously not working full-time jobs. We were students. And mm -hmm. because it was our second year, we were able to set up classes that are called field studies, where you can, as the student, work alongside a professor and set a, a goal for a project that you very specifically want to work on. So we were really excited about this idea and we, we really wanted to pursue it. And we were able to set up field studies as our coursework that allowed us to really break down some of the different sort of topics that we needed to research and figure out to sort of move the company forward. So it was really wonderful that we were able to set that up essentially as, you know, classwork for class credit. Um, and then the second thing, and, and perhaps even more importantly, is, you know, Amy and I really came from a similar finance background, and we were surrounded by hundreds of peers with just amazing experience in things like marketing and merchandising and site design and 
you know, supply chain and operations and things that we didn't have exposure to. And it's, it's such, you know, business school is such an incredible place to really learn from your peers and learn from some of the work experiences that they have had. And I think that was just so helpful to us when we were starting Bobble Bar was to be able to get advice from people who were just really, you know, had extremely impressive backgrounds in all of those fields and were willing to sit with us and kind of share some of their experience with us and and let us learn from them. I mean, that is incredible. How many people would love that, especially people, you know, starting young businesses and, and I've had so many designers and things say, I wish I had a partner who was, who knew, you know, was well-versed in business and everything because, you know, oh, it's just, that's just amazing that you all had that opportunity and were able to take advantage of it. I can't think of a better, a better incubator. Yeah. One of my best friends from college is at HBS right now. And so I, that's so funny. I know I got to go visit her. The campus is obviously stunning. She showed me around her favorite spots in Cambridge and everything. So there's the thing, the lipstick effect. So in times of financial hardship, probably people can at least still buy something which could be a lipstick. But also we had a fashion historian on our podcast named Caroline Milbank. And she was talking about with accessories in times of financial hardship is a great way to change up an outfit. So even if you're wearing something you've had for years, you can accessorize and it looks maybe completely different. So that's a wonderful thing for your business. Mom, is there anything that you tell your styling clients about accessories and specifically Bobble Bar? I know you've definitely mm-hmm. all the time the brand. The, to them. I mean, I, 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 you know, I create look books and things with Bobble Bar all the time. Yeah. I think also um, for young professionals or, or really anybody, you can wear like your hoops during the day and then you just have another really great statement here of, of earrings in your bag. And if it's the same black dress, you know, you can change the entire look, go from uh, corporate or tailored to super sexy and festive just by changing your accessories. So, um, and that's the other thing I love about Bobble Bar is people with the fashion jewelry part, at least um, are able to sort of play. They might be stretching it to buy a, a, you know, a new wardrobe or the shoes like you were talking about because they weren't in finance at the time, but it doesn't break the bank. So it's exciting to order a fun, you know, a fun earring. I just think of my head is just full right now of all of the cute different earrings and different styles and everything that from super playful and trendy to, you know, more timeless. We love it when someone describes Bobble Bar as their ultimate playground, because that's Mm -hmm. really what Danielle and I wanted to build. Mm -hmm. And as we were growing the business, the opportunity we had when we launched Sugar Fix by Bobble Bar was really exciting to us because everyone has, you know, a different price point that they want to be able to spend on, on jewelry. And so we were able to also service a new customer while she's at Target, you know, shopping for her family and give her an opportunity, you know, in the $12, $14 price point to grab an earring, grab a necklace that she can wear at dinner that night or on the weekend. And that's just like the best part of building Bobble Bar has been is kind of the brand gets to be there for all of these different moments uh, in our customer's life. And I think over the years, as we've built out the assortment, 
we kind of get to service her so much better. Um, you know, when we started, everyone always has knew us for our statement earrings and our statement necklaces, which is still an important piece um, of the brand today, but we have very much, you know, become our customers go to for her wedding occasions or, you know, for her fine pieces. And along with that have kind of really tried to make sure that we are really thoughtful about the price points we offer. So we don't, you know, take away that element of bobble bar that, that she really likes. And she could also gift the lower price points and, you know, get the fine jewelry for herself or as a special gift for people. But I really love the idea at Target too. I think about all the moms that never do anything for themselves, you know, and the cart is full and they're going home to cook supper after working all day and they get to pick something sparkly and beautiful for themselves. And that's it's totally right. And you think about lovely. even just Target as um, we've learned so much. We've learned so much from our, our wholesale partners. And that's like one element of our wholesale business that we love so much. But Target, what we really learned from them is how thoughtful they are about their customer and just making sure like exactly what you said. They're, we're thinking about the things that they don't naturally do for themselves. So like the bobble bar assortment sits right outside checkout. And so, you know, the hope is that there is a consumer, she has a baby in the cart, she's gone there to grab some diapers, she's getting a couple things for her household and she's, you know, rushing to check out and she sees a pair of earrings and it's now, you know, accessible to her both um, in a place that she's shopping, but also at a price point that she's comfortable spending. Um, and we really enjoy showing up for that moment. Yeah, that's wonderful. And also as the bubble bar customer grows up or, you know, starts working or anyway, has a little more disposable income, then they follow right into the uh, fine jewelry, I would think that could, because you have such loyalty to the brand. I think what's really been exciting and interesting for us is that this is a category where there is such a huge range between what different people want to shop, um, mm -hmm. regardless of age, regardless of location, mm -hmm. regardless of, of budget. You know, we really find that people love to shop a huge range. I mean, I can tell you whenever I go home, my mom immediately, immediately goes through my bag of jewelry mm -hmm. and takes all the stuff that she loves. And she would <laughs> never do that, you know, with my clothing or with my shoes or, or, or sure. anything like that. She, she just wouldn't, but she loves to see what I come home with, especially because she knows I always have, you know, I tend to have a lot of things that haven't launched on the site just yet. So yeah, she really loves the sure. preview. But I do think that there's something really fun there. You know, it, it's a category that I think, people do kind of share across generation, which is really exciting. And again, I, you mm -hmm. know, we found that depending on whether you're purchasing for yourself, purchasing as a gift, obviously people have different budgets that they're willing to spend. If you're buying a mm -hmm. gift for your mom or sister or best friend versus someone else that maybe you're not quite as close with, mm -hmm. and you still want to be able to pick up something really high quality and really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so great. So many different options. So in the beginning, did you all sell other brands of jewelry too on the site? We've always had everything under the Bobble Bar brand. There's been times where we've partnered with designers or carried designers. So for instance, um, we've worked with Maya Brenner for many, many years now, probably uh -huh. maybe since we started the business. And she's a designer that we do carry on bobblebar.com. But when mm -hmm. we started the business, um, we had many designers ghost design for us. 
You know, we mm. were still, you know, trying to understand who the customer was, what right. she was looking for, and especially what she was comfortable buying online. You know, the jewelry community was really wonderful to me and Daniela and helped us kind of really get the business off the ground. Um, we, a few years kind of into starting the company, we, I think, got a really good handle on what it is exactly we were going to build. And we started bringing in all of those skill sets in-house. So we have mm -hmm. today, uh, we do everything in-house short of owning the factories. Um, mm -hmm. So we have a design team, a product development team, you know, production team, et cetera. And that's been really nice because I would say like the heart of our company is our product. Um, and mm -hmm. we spend, everyone in our company is a merchant. And we really do spend a lot of time thinking about the customer, learning from the customer through data of how she's shopping across all of our different distribution points and really making sure that when we launch a new style, you know, she sees and says, how did you know I needed that? And that's the feeling that we are always trying to aim for. So having all of, you know, the people under one roof and being able to collaborate every day has been really good for us as we've been building the business. And I think it shows today and in terms of the offering that we have. That's wonderful. And one thing Daniela had said before is being known for one thing before expanding. That is a consistent piece of advice that we've received over the years. So it's wonderful that y'all did that. And then also sometimes mom will bring a tray of jewelry to clients when she's styling them. And it's like playing dress up. So Danielle, I can picture you and your mom having yeah. such a <laughs> playing and that little girl comes out and it's this magical moment that you get to create. Is there anything else to say about the design process? So do y'all have seasonal collections? Do y'all get together and create a mood board and tell us a little bit more about that? Today, the process is actually quite complex because we have so many different lines. So we have everything from the main bottle bar collection to our sugar fix brand to our new licensing collections with Disney and mm -hmm. NFL and NBA. But the start of the process is very cross-functional in nature. So the merchants, the sales teams, the designers, the product developers, and then the channel owners get together and talk about the business opportunities they're seeing. And really the start of the process is a written business opportunity. We force ourselves to write it down in a couple sentences and say, you know, we have a customer that's coming to us and they're looking for X. You know, how do we translate this into what you'd expect from Bolivar? And then our design team takes that and they come back with mood boards. They come back with what we call kind of sketch light and they'll start socializing their ideas. And what's I think fairly unique about our process, there are a lot of people involved in it from all steps. So we always say like, we chose the most skew intensive category. <laughs> like, no, I don't know if we like didn't realize it or pretended like it, it wasn't one, but um, we try very hard to take the subjectivity out of the design process and really make sure again, we're designing for the customer and what she's telling us. So design spends a lot of time with the sales teams and the merchants and really refining the concepts. And then once we have a sketch that uh, we're excited about, they will partner with their product development counter colleagues and um, do the technical specs. And then our product developers kind of take it from there with the factories. But it's a very fun and agile and colorful, you know, process. And um, it's always nice to feel like you have, everyone has input. And I think that that kind of shows, you know, when we launch a style and we see the customer's response. Mm. It's one 
Well, and especially since you're saying that everyone works together, a lot of times with companies or with retailers, for example, sometimes if you're in this hidden tower, you're not speaking to the people on the front lines in the stores, then there's definitely going to be a disconnect between what you think, I guess, or you're looking at the data versus what's actually happening or what your customer wants. But it's really wonderful that you include everyone and that you also are speaking to your customer and listening to them. It's one of those aspects of our business that we've learned over the years and we've just gotten better at. But the minute you realize how much better you are when you're incorporating the learning that you're hearing from Nordstrom or you're hearing from the e-commerce team and you see the results in the sales, it's just like, why weren't we doing that from the beginning? It's also was translated for us into like a really enjoyable part of all of our days. It's a fun, creative process. It sounds like a lot of fun. It really does. It does sound like a lot of SKUs too. (laughs) I feel for brands right now that are walking this tightrope with wholesale and D2C and all of that stuff. And especially the young brands, how are are people going to find them, you know, if they're D2C and everything like that. But you all have done a great job of balancing the two worlds. Do you have any um, advice about how to do that and why you decided to to do both? Thanks so much. I mean, it's, so, you know, when we started the business, our, um, Danielle and I always used to say, like, we need to be where the customer is when she's shopping the category. And it's, it certainly wasn't e-commerce in 2011. Um, you know, that's obviously changed today a lot, but, um, what that meant though, is that we have to be a brand that, you know, um, our customer shopping at Nordstrom for her outfit and she's going to the jewelry department. You know, we have to be a brand that Nordstrom is excited to carry. So we worked really hard for a few years on our merchandising strategy and building our brand and our presence and had the opportunity, I think in 2014 to launch at Nordstrom, Bloomingdale's um, and a few others. And the minute we did that, it was just so eye-opening to me and Dee for a few reasons, because, you know, Oftentimes people say like it's the end all be like you should be a direct to consumer business because you get to own the customer and you know all of these other elements that are incredibly valuable. We've taken a lot of value out of our retail partnerships, um, everything from um, customer acquisition. You know, we always say that if a customer hears about us at Neiman Marcus for the first time, like they trust Neiman Marcus and what they sell, so they're likely going to trust you know, trying Bobble Bar versus they heard from about Bobble Bar through an Instagram ad. And then we also learned a lot just about operationally about how to be a better business. Um, you know, you kind of have no room for mistakes and they have very strict requirements. So that's everyone from Disney to Target. And we really grew up fast um, having to learn how to operate at that scale, which really positioned the business for some opportunities we had later. Um, And then the last is like, you learn a lot about merchandising. Um, They're brilliant merchants on the other end. And they have taught us so much over the years about how customers shop at different times of the year, different seasons, or, um, and we have, um, are really grateful for the partners. They've really been with us for many years and have built the businesses together. Um, And we have really tried to strike that balance and make sure that where she's shopping, she's finding the product that's right for that. Uh, retail environment and also that on bobblebar.com we're always kind of giving her an incremental experience and something that she may not be able to find if she's going into stores so um, but we've 
we obviously are big believers in the blend. Oh my goodness, for sure. I know once I left Barney's, I was working with emerging brands to help them navigate wholesale and direct to consumer. And a lot of the things you just listed, the pros and cons, obviously there are going to be pros and cons for both, but I think both are valid. And a lot of people who were very wholesale heavy during the pandemic when everything was closed and there was all of that craziness or some stores closed even so probably they kind of started paying attention to direct to consumer. So it's nice that y'all have diversified. Do you want to talk about more about these partnerships, Disney, NFL, NBA, these are such huge brand names and companies and how is that going? How has it been received? All of that. So we're really thrilled and excited by some of the partnerships that we've launched over the past, you know, 18 months. I had mentioned earlier that when we started Bobble Bar, we really wanted to design a line of accessories that spoke not only to the fashion that people wanted to wear today, but also spoke to things that bring you joy, speak to passions and pastimes. And as we thought about what some of those passions and pastimes were, it felt really natural that we would bring some of these, um, you know, really iconic sort of brands to life through our jewelry. So when we launched our licensing division last year in 2020, our first partnership was with Disney, which we were just so thrilled to be launching with. I mean, Disney is obviously an incredible, incredible company, incredible brand. There are so many different characters and ideas and concepts to explore within the Disney family. Um, and they've been just extraordinary to work with. And then that led to partnerships with uh, the NBA and the NFL as well, which we launched this year. And it's been really exciting to watch the impact of that um, on our business, not only in terms of you know, current Bobble Bar fans who are already shopping our jewelry and love Disney, love NFL, love the NBA, or some, or both, or all, or some mixture, um, and has also been a great way to meet new people who are really excited about the product that we designed around those brands. Um, and we were able to share some of the other products that we design and make. And, and what's exciting for us is all of those collections I think really are meant to be styled and worn with a lot of other product that you find around the site. So it's just been really fun to watch, um, you know, new people discover us because of a Disney or because of an NFL partnership, come to site, scoop up something um, that's in line with one of those brands and, and, and poke around and find some other stuff to wear with it. I know sometimes it can be hard to track. Like for example, if someone discovers you at Nordstrom, the question was more so like, okay, so they've found you through NFL somehow, and then now they're jumping on your website and buying the other things, but maybe you don't, maybe you are. No, we do. We do. I mean, that's a, that's a really big part of our business model and our strategy is really spending a lot of time crunching numbers, looking at data and identifying what we should be designing into based on what people are purchasing in real time. So we do look at what was in your first purchase. And if a Disney item was in your first purchase, we do have a hypothesis that it was Disney that, that brought you to site. Obviously in the event that you clicked an affiliate article that happened to be talking about Disney, well, then we know with hundred percent certainty that that's what brought you to site. We do this times, 
you know, millions and millions and millions and millions of rows and instances of, of data to really pull apart um, some of those learnings so that we can do better um, to bring the right product to the right people at the right time. Mm. The other okay. exciting, the other exciting aspect of these new partnerships for us is it's opened up so many more points of distribution for the brand. So for instance, like Bobble Bar this fall launched in football stadiums, you know, like when would, how would that ever have happened? Wow, exactly. We're in the Dallas Cowboys stores in Texas, which obviously makes me very happy. We're in Disney Uh parks and resorts. Um, We're in Disney parks overseas. And so it's just been um, a really great opportunity for us, for us to get the brand in front of new audiences, you know, obviously in the context of product, we're really proud of, but also just from an awareness perspective that's been pretty that's major amazing for the that is huge those are such big big spaces just thinking of a stadium or thinking of you know in disney world to have that kind of visibility that is just phenomenal it really is i'm curious about fundraising you know we have a lot of people on the podcast that are entrepreneurs and um beginning all of those the steps that you have to take or deciding whether or not they want to take that step. Do you all have any advice for those people who might be listening? Sure. You know, I think that fundraising is a, you know, it can be a really disheartening place to be um, because Mm -hmm. you obviously, you know, get folks who, who it's their job to sort of hear your, your idea and what you've built and sort of find the pieces of it that, they want to question and that that don't make sense to them. And I would say, you know, go into that process with a really open mind and go into that process, I think, really knowing what got you excited about your idea in the first place. But also, you know, I wouldn't necessarily view it as a linear activity of I present my idea, you like my idea, you give me money. Um, I think if you go in with that expectation, you're not getting as much out of the process as you could, which is, I think that there's, you know, something about the balance of going in and feeling really confident in what you're putting forward and in your idea and what you feel passionate about, but being open to the feedback, hearing the feedback and really giving it critical thought. You know, I think Mm -hmm. you're going to get some really, really strong pieces of advice and really strong ideas that maybe you hadn't thought of or some really interesting questions that I think should encourage you to sit down and think about, hey, do I want to tweak that little piece of the business model? Or, hey, maybe this over here is an interesting opportunity I hadn't really thought of. And I think separate from obviously the end goal of, you know, mm-hmm. raise money, raise money, grow business. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that there is also something really powerful and valuable to get out of that process around just getting great advice from a lot of people who, who have mm-hmm. seen a lot. Right. Thicken your skin, keep your ears open and uh, be objective about what they're saying. I think that is such good advice, such good advice. We also used to remind ourselves that all money's not created equal um, and that mm. it really is a two-way interview. And it's so important that the investors you bring into your business at any point in the journey, mm-hmm. you, need to, you need to vet them. Um, We've been Mm -hmm. incredibly fortunate with the investors and advisors we've had around Bobble Bar and that they have been there for myself and Danielle and our team in good times and in bad times. And they've really supported us when we have wanted to go after an opportunity or we needed help to think through something. And 
it was always through the lens of encouragement and confidence in our ability to figure it out. And that is a really important um, person to kind of have alongside the journey, given all of all of the things that get thrown at you. Um, but it's something you often forget when you're raising money because you know you need to raise money, you need to do it efficiently. Always just remember that you're there, also just trying to see if they're going to be a great a great member of your family as well. That is wonderful advice as well, because we have certainly heard some horror stories. Uh, when people didn't, they were just so happy to get someone that wanted to invest. And then later down the road, it, you know, it didn't work out so well for them. Right. I think the answer would be everything to this question, but what experience or knowledge did you apply to Bobble Bar that you learned in your finance career? Well, at the beginning, <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a little hard because we didn't know anything other than finance. <laughs> I mean, literally, actually, it's funny when you said that you worked at Barney's, one of our closest advisors, named Howard Sokol, um, he was at Barney's. And I remember early mm -hmm. on in the business, we were meeting with him and he was like, so who does the merchandising around here? And I was like, what <laughs> is merchandising? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what can you please break this down for us? So, you know, we had a very steep learning curve at the beginning. Um, we still do today, but we've been able to kind of surround ourselves with great people who've taught us a lot. Now, I will say today, the finance background's incredible. Everything from someone can present something to, to me and Daniela, and mm -hmm. we can, in two seconds, understand like three statement impact to it and then how it, you know, flows mm -hmm. through every decision that we have around the business. And it's something that we didn't get to use in the early years. And we're like, gosh wish we had done something else before this, but today it's been incredibly valuable. I mean, I think the other thing from our finance experiences, um, which may be different than others, is we, we grew up in investment banking, which is a demanding environment. And, you know, through that, we built, I mean, we have very thick skin and we have a lot of stamina. And that is kind of just softer skills that kind of over the years we've looked back on and been like, huh, that's, that's what those banking years were for. <laughs> it, was for it was for this. It was so that, you know, that mm -hmm. the roof could be on fire and we know mm -hmm. what to do and, you know, we don't panic and stuff. So it's been good for the two of us. That's great. That's really great. Especially being starting in a field where um, kind of dominated by men. I'm glad that you mentioned the two-way interview with the investors, with my consulting clients for wholesale. That's something that I mentioned to them as well. It's not just you sitting there and listening to the retailer and everything. They have to say, you also want to ask them questions and how is this going to be a partnership and all of those things. So not only does that apply to... It's so it, true. Right? Like great advice. Any meeting that you're going into, it's not just you sitting there, oh, praise you. Thank you for giving me any ounce of your time, but really just being calm about it. And this is a two-way conversation and we're just getting to know each other. <laughs> so you have had a lot of incredible advisors and investors. Are there any lessons that you have learned from working with them? Yeah, I mean, over the years, we brought in investors. I mean, early on, our, our early initial investors were more finance focused. So um, venture capitalists, et cetera, um, professional mm -hmm. you know, investors. And over the years, we brought in groups that had strategic expertise, and that mm -hmm. was instrumental to us. 
everyone from someone who has deep background in media, um, supply chain, merchandising. And at the time, uh, you you know they're going to be helpful. Um, and it may, it's, may not be completely clear about how, um, but we have found that just them being able to apply like their functional domain expertise to our problems um, has just given us, and they're so intimately familiar with the business, has given us like advice that's very actionable. Um, so, you know, as we think about tomorrow, we always think about, you know, other ways to get help around the business. We're always looking for someone that can help us, you know, block down the barriers that we have to get to the next milestone. And it's often a very strategic part of the business that could require, that requires like domain expertise. That's a great way to, to think about who you want to bring on as investors and advisors. In terms of trends, how do you stay on top of them? And what are you most excited about for 2022? I think we rely really heavily on our team um, and we use a huge, huge range of monitoring tools to look at um, what people in the market are excited about and talking about and wearing and shopping and buying. Um, We have an amazing team that is constantly on top of all of this information and really bringing that back to the designers, to the merchants, to the marketing team, um, to share what they think are going to be, you know, the new big and exciting trends for um, the up and coming season. And then again, you know, we're, we're lucky our team is, is made up of a lot of people who love and wear our products all the time. So we are um, constantly talking about what we're personally really excited to wear. Um, what are the pieces that we would want to scoop up in, you know, month, two months, three months, so on and so forth. But we do a lot of trend forecasting internally and work off of that. In terms of it's trends incredible. we're excited about, I think that we're all ready for some color. Uh, <laughs> I just feel like we need it after the last couple of years and no one loves color more than Bobble Bar. I think we like eat, sleep and drink co- dream color. Um, so we're excited about spring and summer and everyone kind of being out and about and ready to dress up and how we can show up to accessorize that. And then, you know, the other trend that Danielle and I are personally big fans of is just kind of like the curated ear. Um, You know, you need multiple piercings for that typically, but, you know, I, for instance, only have one. So, but really giving her a toolkit to be able to build like um, a statement delicate ear look. And that's been something that's been very popular with our customers and we're continuing to, to expand our offering going into next year. That's great. It's just so interesting about whoever started that trend of coming up with all these different ways to adorn your ear besides just the traditional one or two holes has been fascinating to me. And you all do love color and that's so exciting. And I also feel like there are so many trends now. I do not know how you all keep up with them there. I feel like everything is a trend. I mean, it's, it's the craziest thing when I look through the trends for each season or we go to the shows the fashion shows and things. It's just so much, so much. And somehow you all find it and create it and have it as an offering. And so you're always a go-to for what's new and what's coming next, which is um, a great resource. 
Yeah, I think what's been really fun and interesting for us is is obviously there's always an element when we put put an assortment together, there is an element of, you know, what's on trend, what what do people want to wear, shop, buy, et cetera. I mm-hmm. think that our our team, and I'm going to brag about them for a minute because I really don't touch this part of the business. So it's okay mm-hmm. for me to brag about them because they do such an amazing job of this. I think they do such an incredible job of applying the bobble bar perspective to that. So I think about the curated ear, the layered ear, and I look at some of the things that we did for you know this past holiday season. And it was teeny tiny little uh, Christmas tree studs and Mr. and Mrs. Santa Claus and these really cool teeny little ornament bulbs. And we, you know, the, the creative team styled these really just super fun, whimsical ear looks with all of these different little pieces that, again, I think, you know, there might be people out there and there certainly are a lot of people out there doing this sort of layered ear look. But I, I think our team just has really nailed this idea of doing it the bobble bar way. Um, that you don't see anywhere else. And and I think that's really what's allowed us to build a community of people who do come back again and again and are excited to see our perspective because I think it's, you know, we're at a place where it's not enough to know what's what's on trend. It's know what's on trend, but also how are you doing it differently? How are you doing it in a way that's special and and unique um, that nobody else is doing? And and I'm I'm so proud of how our team just and amazed by how our team does it, you know, again and again. That makes perfect sense to me because I can envision it even without seeing the actual little earrings because someone who might be reticent to, that might be kind of out there for them. But because you all do things in such an elegant way, it's a safe space to, you know, to experiment. And if they saw a look like that, they, you know, might trap for the first time because of the trust they have in you. So I think that's fabulous. And it sounds really, really cute. I'd love to see an image of that. And before we we wrap up, do you, I feel like we've given young and uh, even my age people who are entrepreneurs, lots of great advice during this conversation, but I didn't know if there was anything else that you could think of that um, any more words of, you know, tidbits of advice for entrepreneurs? I just say like when we read your story, Danielle and I couldn't stop smiling because what's made our journey so special is doing it with someone you love and trust so much, Mm -hmm. um, which I'm sure you guys feel as well. So that's always our advice to entrepreneurs is, it's hard work. It can be lonely, but when you're mm-hmm. doing it alongside someone that mm-hmm. you love and that you have fun with and that you respect, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like work, mm-hmm. but we were mm-hmm. really touched by, by your story as well. That's so sweet. And that is wonderful, wonderful advice, respect someone you respect. And also obviously that you can talk straight and be frank with, but especially the, the friendship and the, um, the respect is so important. Okay, so what is next for Bobble Bar? Just more fabulous, <laughs> more fabulous offerings. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you guys, and I apologize, I can't remember who had, had specifically mentioned this, but, you know, we say that we want to embellish every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there are so many different ways that we can really bring that motto to life and that the team has been bringing that that motto to life over the past few years. And we're just excited for all of the avenues 
that that motto affords us. So we're we're just going to continue to embellish your every day in all of the ways that we can think of. Please do. And we know you will. <laughs> so let's wrap this up by saying, where can people find Bobble Bar and y'all personally, if you would like them to? Of course, um, you can find us at bobblebar.com or on Instagram, Facebook, at Bobble Bar. Those are the best places to find us. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the Style That Binds podcast. This was a very informational and inspiring interview. Yes. Thank you for giving us Bobble Bar. Those of us who are wardrobe consultants, especially, it's a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful resource. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you All so right. much for having us. We put a shoppable link to a blog post of our favorite Bobble Bar styles in the show notes. So thank you everyone for tuning in and we will see you next time. Thank you for tuning into this episode on the Style That Finds Us podcast. If you like this podcast, make sure to tell a friend and subscribe. You can be a part of growing with us. Also, do you know about our weekly newsletter? You'll get access to exclusive content in our newsletter that we don't post anywhere else. Our newsletter comes out every Tuesday with the exception of the third Thursday of the month for Allison's special Celebrating Life After 40 edition. Head to the bottom of the Style That Binds Us website to subscribe.